Welcome to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast, the show that takes you beyond business and tells you how to be successful. My name is Steve Edelman, I'm your host, and you better buckle up, because it's about to get deep. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Deep Gripping Reality. Today is a really, really special show. A lot of times I talk about um, the strategy behind digital marketing and social media marketing and marketing in general and business strategy and um, I, sometimes I talk about the execution side and actually tell you how to do it other times it's very high-level psychology and the essentially theology but um, it's it's a mentality and there's sometimes that I forget that for the average person who doesn't speak this world's language fluently um, there's a disconnect. You can understand the full-on process itself, the the technical side, the actual implementation, and you can understand the uh, high-level concepts of why we do what we do, but you don't quite get the connection that leads to execution. And so I'm really, really excited about today's guest. His name is Lawrence, and he is the CEO and creative director um, and founder of Cal Design Co., which is a, a small but massively growing marketing slash visualization firm, essentially, out of New York. Now, he reached out to me a few days ago on LinkedIn after reading my Gary Vee poor man's Gary Vee content model. And he said that it really spoke to him as a small business owner. It really resonated with him. And he really liked a lot of the perspectives. He said that it was really well written and he enjoyed it. And so I said, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, I think you'd be a great guest on the show after looking over his profile. And I think once you listen to today's interview, you'll agree. Um, it's a it's an hour long, but so it is an investment in your lunch break or your drive home or whatever. But this is definitely something that I think you'll really appreciate um, because there's so much value in here. We talk about everything from strategy to execution to, um, I mean, to essentially a theology of marketing and of of business practice. Um, He's doing some cutting edge stuff with uh, how he's billing his clients, which I never thought of it this way, but it makes so much more sense than the way that most companies are doing it. This guy is so ahead of the game that you're going to feel like, holy cow, how how is it not all companies are doing it this way? So please stay tuned. Enjoy the show. I apologize in advance for the audio here on my side. He sounds like he's the one giving the interview and I'm the call-in guest, which is kind of funny um, because his audio came through crystal clear. My side is a little bit muffled, and I think I pinpointed why that is. Um, I apologize for that, but don't worry. It's not me that you're tuning in to listen to. It's definitely this guy. So enjoy Lawrence and Cal Design, um, and I really hope you find value in the show. Um, Tune in, strap in. It's about to get deep. By the way, fun side fact, this is the first time that a guest has designed the cover art for an episode. Um, I sent him my original idea, and he was able to throw together what you see for the cover art for this episode. So, very cool. Uh, I hope you like it. If so, share it across social media platforms. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hey, 
your name is Lawrence Shaw, and you are the um, well. I, are you the founder? Are you the CEO? Is it uh, what? What is your official title for Cal Design? I'm both. I'm founder and CEO of uh, a brand and digital agency called Cal Design Co. Yep. And uh, what I love about your firm is that you guys are very design focused uh, when it comes to creative solutions. Um, you are all about augmented communications across all media and platforms. Um, and it's kind of like your, your business deals where it, it takes a whole different approach to marketing because your strategy is all about figuring out where psychology meets business strategy overall. Um, you guys do everything from art to ads to animation to branding, design, um, data visualization, e-commerce. Um, I saw some physical and environmental stuff that you guys have done in exhibits, film, video, presentations, print, uh, some social media, SEO, user experience, web design. I mean, am I missing anything? I mean, <laughs> you guys are a one-stop shop for all of it. Uh, yeah, no, you're pretty much covering covering the gamut. And, and I know it sounds like a, like a lot of disciplines, but... Yeah, we, we have those capabilities to do all of that pretty much internally. So it's a, it's a, I'm very, very humbled by what we're able to accomplish. I think it's really cool. I think what you guys are doing, you're on the cutting edge uh, of marketing. One of the things that I really love about marketing as a practice is that it, it's about communication. You know, one of my early mentors in marketing said that marketing is the message and advertisement is just the delivery method. But you have to be able to understand the psychology of people, what they're going to react to, you know, the pathos, ethos, all that fun stuff, um, or else you're you're just wasting money and time. And it seems like your approach is is very um, head in the clouds as far as design goes, but there's a lot of strategic, practical application to it. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and what you just said is is pretty spot on to our philosophy. I mean. Um, we see creative as the point of differentiation. And whether you do that across a digital or more traditional media, the, the process of creativity um, is going to vary to some degree, but our ultimate goal is to really synthesize and communicate particular stories with an objective of either changing a, a behavior or perspective in a respective marketplace, um, either trying to sell products or services, um, so that objective, we need to really understand and then figure out what platforms, um, which kind of gets to the, the duality of this, is creativity is a point of differentiation, but the platform is the point of delivery. And so if you think about the Facebooks, your Instagrams, whether it's a trade show booth, a, a PowerPoint presentation, whatever that delivery mechanism is, has a very specific context in the grand scheme of what any business is trying to accomplish. So to not understand all of these points of engagement and figure out how creativity can augment and then ultimately um, drive the execution of creative is, is a detriment, I think, to any agency who doesn't take the time to really understand it. That is such a, such a solid point, and I absolutely love that. Um, the majority of my professional career um, about 15 years of it was in sales across various um, industries and, and leadership and training and development and management, that sort of thing. And it wasn't until about six years ago that I really discovered my passion in marketing and how vital marketing is to sales. And yours is like, you know, you, everybody's seen those memes where it's the guy who's meditating and then all of a sudden it gets the mind-blowing one at the bottom. And I think that your firm is operating on that mind-blowing level. And that's why I, I respect the hell out of it and everything you do. And when you reached out to me um, on LinkedIn, I kind of did a, a cursory look over your, your profile, but I got into your business and I was 
super excited when you agreed to do the podcast because I thought this is so fascinating to me. Um, it's so, I mean, kind of cutting edge, but it really shouldn't be. We're, we've always been visual creatures as human beings. So the idea that, you know, you your firm doesn't just respect the demand of getting a message out and a story out via creative means and the right type of means, whether that's video, audio, um, textual, whatever, but taking it to the next level with a full-on respect for how that's going to impact overall business strategy and get an ROI for your specific um, client's needs, that's the part that, like, that's the thing that I think is missing on so many levels for so many companies. So, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say it seems it seems almost intuitive that it should be right because everything we do is behavioral in every respect of our day. I mean, a lot of people wake up and they go immediately on Facebook or or their favorite social channel, but all of that data is really tracking to a consumer or a client or a customer's behavior as to where their attention is is being driven and spent and where they really spend a lot of their time in terms of consuming information and all of those respective platforms, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, or just general Google search in terms of what, what consumers look for, it all sort of begins to map out the, the human behavior of what people are looking for, where they're looking for it, which then informs how you need to design for it or write for it or create content for it. Um, and it's yeah. not all one-to-one, right? It's not formulaic. And so it really takes an understanding of, of all those nuances as well as the audience segment and what they're seeking to ultimately determine how we can translate that into a creative story that will engage the right audience in the right place. Yes, yes, yes. Preach, brother. This reminds me of a firm that, that I really like that, that really kind of helped gear me toward marketing as my career and my, my goals. And it's a company I've never, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they're called Epiphio. Are you familiar with Epiphio? I'm not, no. Epiphany, Epiphio stands for Epiphany Video. And their concept is very similar to yours, but they don't, they don't have as many full-on options as you guys do um, and, and, and totally encompassing and engaging. Their idea is they sit down with their clients, they understand their mission, their goals, and they figure out how to tell that story, whatever that may be, um, whether it's an educational thing, whatever their goals are, in a very digestible and impactful three minutes. And the reason that, that that drew me in is because when you see just how much you can impact somebody, if it's done right, in less than three minutes, that's really mind-blowing. Like, you can really leave a true impact and, and really impress something upon someone in a very minimal amount of time. And the word that you hit there that really hit me is attention. I mean, we're at a point in our society where, uh, digitally speaking, for businesses, attention is currency. I mean, you have to be, uh, Facebook and Instagram actually have coined a term for this that is not very well known outside the industry, but you have to be thumb-stopping. You have to produce some kind of content that is going to stop people from the scroll and break them from their habit mold, and then not only grab their attention, but keep it. And that's so, so um, important. And it's, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always easy, especially if you have, you know, what some would consider a boring subject matter, right? So um, we talked a little bit, you and I talked a little bit about, because uh, my guests, or my guests, my, my audience knows that I tend to uh, have a, a pre-call before the show um, and spend some time getting to know my guests a little bit. And you and I had talked a little bit about how you have art and passion for culture and passion for 
design and the, the communication through visual and artistic means literally coursing through your veins. Can you talk a little bit about how you went from, you know, as a kid to now you're the CEO of a company that I think has a really cool future out of it? Yeah, um, I was um, I, I was incredibly lucky growing up. I mean, my my uncle was uh, an interior, it's a very successful interior designer in the in the 70s and the 80s, and um, and when he when he uh, was uh, in his 30s, he and I really spent a lot of time together. And why that's significant is he he didn't live much longer past his mid 30s, and uh, I was truly inspired by his whole life. I mean, I spent an exorbitant amount of time with him uh, during my adolescence learning all about blueprints and architecture and interior design, anything I could understand at that age. But when he passed, um, he left all of his equipment, his portfolios to me um, in his kind of final instruction. He passed away from leukemia, so he knew it was pretty much coming um, and really detailed out in true designer fashion, uh, you know, right down to the guest lists for his his viewings and all of that stuff, his own tombstone he's even designed. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible, um, an accomplishment as far as I see it. And, um, and my, my cousin was a, a phenomenal fine artist as well. Both attended FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. Um, so there was this, there's this complement of these two influences in my life who subsequently um, influenced each other before I was even born and they worked together artistically. And so kind of this trifecta of um, my connection to my uncle connection to my cousin both of whom now have passed away as well um and the the uh, actual logo of our company is the mark that my uncle left on his tombstone and i think it's significant in that there's this trifecta this this uh, three-way connection between my cousin my uncle myself um which is the acronym of our company kal um, but the triangle i think symbolizes that connection uh, which i think my uncle inherently perhaps knew about or had an intuition about and left that mark, I think, for me to use um, in my journey now. That is so cool. I, I was wondering both where the logo and the name came from, so that, that's, kind of, that's kind of cool. Isn't it amazing? That, that is very fortunate that you had those influences, not just from a professional design standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. You got to see what it takes to be successful and successfully run a business, and then to be able to get the, those, you know, physical assets of his of his actual equipment and things like that and understand how to use that, it's almost like your business is able to carry on his legacy in a whole other way. And I, I, God, I respect the hell out of that. That's really cool, man. That's really I, cool. I appreciate that. You know, he said something to me once when I was um, seven years old and I didn't really understand it until I, as I got older, I started to try to distill his work and understand what it was he was actually doing. But I remember once we were sitting in his studio um, in this beautiful Victorian house he had in West Orange, New Jersey. And we were sitting up there and he looked at me and he said, you know, a room is just a 3D piece of canvas. And your job is to try to understand how somebody is going to use that space before you start adding all the creative flair that will make it a beautifully and aesthetically pleasing room. And so what, I, what I've come to understand as I've gotten older is, he would take the time to sit with individuals, whether it was corporate client or a residential client, to know, you know, what are you going to do in this space? What is its intent? What is its purpose? Where does the furniture need to be placed to make this space as um, appropriate and as fluid as possible for you to live a life or run a business or do whatever in there? And when I, when I, as I've gotten 
older and started thinking about this in my own career, those fundamentals don't change in the context of marketing, right? It's just a different media and medium or different purpose in which we're creating uh, to achieve a different outcome. But the fundamentals of understanding are, are rooted in all of what we're doing, regardless of the, of the discipline. So, so true. In fact, when you were saying that, the first thing that came to mind is that's the conversation that needs to be had and is unfortunately sometimes flown over as almost an obligatory thing as instead of a vital thing. Um, and that's a conversation with the client saying, okay, what is your goal? What do you, what's your, what is your ideal definition of success in this situation? You know, I've had a lot of times where miscommunication, not a lot of times, <laughs> I should, I should be careful with that. I have had up where there's miscommunication early on in the process of setting goals, especially with, uh, for example, Facebook ads, right? So um, I've had a client before who worked with me um, and my team. Um, I helped with the initial setup, but my team kind of ran the project once it got going. And we were doing Facebook ads for, for this nonprofit. And they were wanting to do ticket sales, but the way that we targeted the ad wasn't to sell tickets through Facebook. It was to drive traffic to their website, which would then sell the tickets. And so we were looking at it and with the budget that they gave us and the hyper-targeting that we did and, and the verbiage that we very carefully picked out and the imagery and all that stuff, we were looking at the, the ad as being hyper-successful, super-successful. We had a higher conversion rate than anything that they'd run before. You know, it just the click-through rate was great. The, we, we looked through the Google Analytics and we could see very clearly that people were going to their, their from our Facebook ad to the website page they were looking at and they were staying on that page for a while, but they weren't selling the tickets. And so from our perspective, it was a success because we were doing this lead generation. From the, 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 um, the client's perspective, it was not a success because they weren't selling tickets. And so that slight miscommunication of, okay, if the end goal is for us to help you sell tickets, then you need us to help you optimize that page as well, the landing page, right? And, and if we would have had that one key piece, I think we could have had a much better overall successful results and when you talk about how your uncle was saying that you have to be able before you even start envisioning what's going to go on the canvas you have to understand how this canvas is going to be used that's exactly how i feel about social media you know if a client asks me should i be on linkedin should i be on tiktok should i be on twitter should i be on youtube you know uh, the 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 brand guy in me goes yes all of them and you should be posting to all of them because you need to saturate the market as much as possible with content but the strategist in me goes, it depends. What do you plan to use them for? What's the, why do these things exist? And how much upkeep are you willing to put into it? You're, you're nailing it right on the head. And you, know, you said something earlier about um, uh, what I was talking about with regards to attention. But I actually think it's you know, taking it one step further because there are so many platforms. We've sort of evolved from this space as just humans from not no longer having attention spans, but we now have micro spans where everything is so fast and so quick and every every place you can find pieces of content as you were just talking about where everyone wants to deploy to everything as fast as they possibly can and really understanding the intent of the business and the platform and how it could potentially further that brand or also find the opportunity where there's an opportunity for a brand to make an impact is paramount to to the success just as much as understanding what the overall business objective is so you're you're yeah. really speaking to a lot of you know what what many businesses should be doing what many agencies should be doing but very very few actually do um 
from from the fundamental standpoint. So I concur 100% with everything that you're saying. So here's a challenge that I have found uh, a lot of marketing professionals, myself included in some instances, run into. Um, when I am talking to a client, I have a true natural passion about what I'm talking about. And when I understand their goals, I can help them visualize success and explain how I'm gonna get their strategy wise. So it can be pretty easy for me to get them on board to spend money when I have literally a roadmap to success outlined where they have input and they're able to do that. However, from a corporate perspective, sometimes getting the, as I like to say, old guard to understand the new marketing methods. I mean, it's no longer you just send out a catalog and say, you buy from us, we supply, buy, <laughs> right? You actually have to be able to entice people to engage and want to buy. And a lot of times the, these older, um, I say older, but you know, the more traditional companies, uh, especially the bigger companies, can get their executives, have their executives struggle to wrap their head around, you know, why this is all vital and why what used to work isn't working and needs to evolve. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think it's even more of a, of an issue in the creative sense. I mean, I'm acutely aware that, you know, the creative space or design agency is in many respects uh, measured in a subjective manner, right? What is the creativity and what can it do for my business and quantify that for me and all of those sorts of things. And that's why we often don't even start at the creative juncture to talk about how the solution can be visualized, because to your point, there are many executives who really not that they don't care, but the language of creativity is not going to resonate with, with them in any way that's going to show them the impact on their business. And so this is just this is just points of emphasis in the respective audience that you're going to be in front of and where storytelling truly becomes an art form from the standpoint of if I can contextualize what we're doing at a base level through the lens of a business and the impact that we can have, whether it's a challenge to solution, and then walk, take them on that journey with us in a very pragmatic um, and functional way of how it's going to apply to their business spectrum. Even though I'm, do, I'm talking about a creative solution throughout that process or that journey, they're able to see the overall impact as we're building and as a byproduct um, allows our subjective kind of cloud that sits over creatives, uh, most creative agencies head to turn into an objective, um, all encompassing, embracing sort of discipline uh, where it's viewed in a much more valuable way. And it's amazing that very few creative agencies really adopt that sort of very simple mindset. Yes, preach brother, preach, preach. I feel like I'm in the, in the church of awesome right now. You have no idea. <laughs> so Oh my God, you're so on point with this. And you know, what, what I found is, is really interesting about that is I think that a lot of this comes from, you know, you and I talked the other day about psychology, about the psychology and understanding how people's minds work and how they act and react. And um, I, I am a firm believer that people are protective of themselves and nobody wants to feel like an idiot, but we're afraid of the things that we don't understand. And so until we understand them, we can't and won't embrace them. Um, by nature. Now, there's some people who are the exception to that, but generally speaking as a whole, human beings are that way. So at the same time, we tend to be a very proud uh, creature. So we don't want to admit what we don't know. We don't want to admit that we need clarification. And so I think that at a primal level, that can be really kind of a hard thing to overcome. So once you can um, 
kind of predetermine what people's fears are, their anxieties are, what they may not understand. And you can outline and be very transparent in the process without overdoing it with technical jargon. It, it becomes more of a mutual partnership that leads to success as opposed to a, here's a bunch of money. I'm going to trust you just because you have good referrals type of situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. And I think if you, in your life, if you continue to try to distill the, the why something is working and perhaps why something isn't, um, and if you can contextualize that in the course of your own life or within business or whatever your your task with trying to find solutions for, you're more likely to be able to deal with the realities of how you need to adjust and change and find, uh, what points of clarification you're going to need in order to put forth the most powerful solution possible. And so I, I'm constantly trying to find clarification on almost everything, not to, to, not to the degree of nausea, but to the degree of I need to understand even beyond the solution that most businesses ask us to provide, give me the context of the other challenges you're facing, whether it's geographically or whether it's budget or whether it's personnel, all of these variables have an impact on what level of investment they're going to make in, in Cal Design Co. Perhaps how Cal Design Co. needs to think about maybe doing some additional work to make sure the solution is as, as robust as possible without getting perhaps compensated for that. So all of these things really have a, a subtle nuance, but a big impact ultimately uh, in terms of our process to the solution that we ultimately uh, deliver. So, okay, that brings me to uh, something I really wanted to touch on. I could, listen, I'll be honest with you, Lawrence. I could talk philosophy on this stuff, and I could do that. We could have a three-hour conversation on that alone, I'm sure. But um, sometimes I, I, I talk, I step on my tongue. That's the phrase I like to use. I tend to step on my tongue because I'll talk myself into that one subject and completely miss out on the opportunity to ask about other things. And so this is something I really wanted to bring up with you. Um, first off, let me ask you this. How long have you guys been in business? Well, we just launched in January of this year, uh, but my, my personal career has spanned over the last 13 years. Okay, very cool. So uh, been in business as this entity since January. Very cool. Um, how's, your growth has been pretty good, I would assume, just from looking over your portfolio a little bit. Uh, yeah, we, we actually just scaled up to our, you know, we have a team of um, seven designers um, at the moment. And, um, you know, we started with just, just, just myself in, in January. So we've been able to really make some great inroads with our existing clients and also been able to attract some new ones. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about where things are headed so far. So that, I mean, this organically is leading exactly where I wanted to go. So I am, I mean, everybody who's in any kind of business understands that um, it's a lot more cost effective and easier to win new business from current clients or get referral business from current clients than it is to go out and find and prospect and, and reach out to new clients because you have to re you have to establish these relationships. And when you're doing that for new clients and trying to get new clients on your own, it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to figure out a, who you talk to, who the decision maker is. B, you know, um, getting them to sit down in a room with you and figure it out. And so how have you come, how have you come uh, into a lot of your clients and where do you foresee growth in the future? Is it going to be more referral business related or is it going to be more of a situation where 
um, you're going out, you're prospecting, you're finding these clients and then hopefully getting referral business from them or what, what is your path to growth here? Well, it's a great question and uh, there's a there's a discipline that I practice every day um, and it's called restraint. I actually <laughs> have a very, I have a very um, particular philosophy about growth in that I've been a part of global organizations where growth was uh, the year over year, we need to hit a certain percentage and you need to be at a certain revenue. And a number of things happen under that that I don't think are positive. The first is every client is just viewed as a stepping stone. So get anything and everyone that you can. Let's get them under the revenue, the PL lines. Let's make sure we're as profitable as we can be and let's ramp up as fast as we can. And that's that's the goal. And it's sort of an arbitrary goal because the end goal becomes what? You just have a whole lot of money. You're deemed number one and you're the biggest. That doesn't always mean you're the best anyway. So, so there's that whole that whole arm yeah. of it. But then yeah. you get into then you get into the other space, which is as you're growing, you're straining culture and morale in your organization. So people are getting into that burned out factor, and your clients ultimately suffer because you're not really doing the best quality work for them. So that brings a long-winded way of getting to restraint for us means that we are working with clients who value what we do just as much as we value what their goals and objectives are. And so for us to do that, we really focus on servicing that business to the best of our ability. And then once we have a really strong and solid foundation with the existing clients we have, then we start to think about, okay, who are we going to add to our client roster or who are we going to expand out to next? But those teams, that work on that business are are solidified. So to a certain extent, it may be word of mouth because our reputation is really sound with our existing clients. But in other cases, we are working through um, RFP channels to try to find the right fits or, or cultures, the cultural fits of what we're reading and distilling in some of these opportunities that are coming across our desk. Um, yeah. we, le- we leverage LinkedIn to try to establish relationships. So I don't know if there's any one channel or formula that I have, but the fundamental principle that I have is I, I, um, as an agency do not believe in being viewed as a transactional partner where you just throw things over the fence to us because we can create something. The only caveat and this language is actually built in our contracts is that we need to have meaningful business discussions about what your long, short and long-term objectives are so we can yeah. help distill down the best solutions for that business that will impact and advance their brand forward. And because of that, I feel like our clients really enjoy working with us. I think that is so, so important. Um, I actually did a very, very short, so I don't know how much of the perfect reality you've listened to, but um, the podcast itself, it, it started originally as just kind of a, a proof of concept. How much content can I put out of valuable content that actually does add value to somebody? Um, on in mass inexpensively how can i do it what it's grown into is a a platform for me to share my personal experience expertise philosophies um on business that i've seen that work it's basically kind of been like a things i wish i'd told a younger steve (laughs) things that i somebody had said to me that they wanted to be an entrepreneur or they wanted to be successful in business these are things that you should know and philosophies that you should really adapt and so what I found, some of my best guests have come from LinkedIn connections. And um, I love giving people the opportunity to share their story and their perspective. And um, I think like, like minds really do uh, kind of generate um, a buzz. And they, they, you know, I don't want to get too 
psychologically spiritual here, but I, I think, you know, there's an energy level that, that kind of matches up. And when it's so funny that you should bring up the long-term and short-term strategy and goals, because I, I did a very short podcast that talked about how planning out goals is a critical piece of success because uh, what one of the missteps people do is they'll say, okay, long-term, you know, they'll be very good about having it be specific and time-related and actionable and realistic. But the problem is they say, okay, by 2022, we're going to be the number one, um, you know, sales generation revenue. We're, we're the number one provider of whatever XYZ service in the greater Des Moines, Iowa area. You know what I mean? But they don't talk about the specific short-term goals that it takes to get there. And I think that those are so important because you can celebrate your milestones, your victories along the way. Also, more importantly, in my, in my opinion, you can look back as you pass these things and say, okay, we didn't meet the mark there. Why? How can we fix it? How does that play toward our long-term strategy? Was it necessary? You, you can evaluate what you're doing and force correct a lot better when you have very specific mile markers and short-term goals that you you've set ahead of time and it forces you to take a much more holistic strategy no matter what your goals are um to build toward what you ultimately decide is success and having that measurable tangible thing along the way i think is is something that's so so often missed or it's the opposite they'll make a ton of short-term goals but there's no long-term goal so like you said, they're just, okay, it's this quarter, it's this quarter, it's this quarter, it's this year, it's this year, it's this year, but it's not sustainable because there is no end game. And when you reach that goal, they don't, they, they don't reassess and reassign a new goal to it. So it's, I think, I think it's such a, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's such, it's something I've been giving a lot of thought to lately and you know, how it plays into customer relationships and setting expectations and accountability to be honest with you you know well, what i mean yeah, and i think the the biggest problem that i see in most businesses is everything is solely dictated all those all those incremental milestones and even the bigger picture is all about growth and scale that's what everybody seems to be focused on how much sales can we actually get to by the end of the year where can we press and really make sure we get as much revenue in the door and, and I yep. get it, everybody wants to be financially stable, but I, I am of the mindset that if you really embrace the relationships that you have with your clients and you really see that yourself as an extension or as a creative partner, we see ourselves as an extension to our clients' businesses to say, even the smallest project could have a big impact. So we need to really know the nuances and the ins and outs of that from a relationship standpoint, not from a not from a, a personal, hey, we want we want more money next year, because we know if our clients are growing, they're subsequently gonna invest in us as a byproduct to continue to grow with them. And so yep. so the progressive nature of building that foundation and working through the ebbs and flows or the vicissitudes of their business makes a whole lot of sense for us to not just be perceived as a as a as I said mentioned earlier, a transactional creative partner. And one other point I want to make about this is that I think you know, one of the um, the biggest challenges that, that I see, at least within marketing and creative agencies alike, is that there's an overwhelming culture of no lately that I, I really um, am trying to kind of rationalize and think through on my end uh, from the standpoint of everybody just wants to work on the biggest projects with the biggest budget so they could get maximum uh, both 
internal revenue flow and then the perception that they can produce maximum output for their clients. And yeah, I think that's so a, the, yep. the, the, that creates, and I think that's driven through the lens of trying to create artificially high demand by artificially low supply. And basically what, what I mean by that is, I think people say no because they don't want to be perceived as available and they're, they're much more valuable than maybe perhaps some of these smaller projects that come across their desk. And so they say, we don't have the supply in terms of resources to really help the demand that you have. And as a byproduct, they create a tremendous disconnect in, in the impact of the value that a marketing or creative agency can have, because now the mindset is, we'll only go to this type of resource if you have X dollars to do this type of output. And it changes the context of how businesses sort of perceive and understand um, the creativity or the discipline of design overall. And so I think it has a, has a tremendously um, adverse effect on, I think getting back to what you were saying earlier, in the way that people understand and how what we do can really influence what they do. Yes, yes. Lawrence, I got to tell you, man, you are brilliant. <laughs> you are a brilliant human being. And I, I'm so, so excited to have you on right now because you are hitting some really hardcore points that, that I think that a lot of people in my audience are going to need to hear. Um, that will leave a very long-term, hopefully lasting impact. I think that your focus on long-term strategy and the value thereof is so valuable, especially since, especially since I think you're right. A lot of creative agencies, ad agencies, digital marketing agencies, whatever, won't take the time to really truly understand and partner with their clients. Um, on the level that you are like, so the company I work for, I actually, we, we kind of, my department specifically, the digital marketing department, we really pride ourselves in seeing ourselves as the digital marketing arm of our clients. We don't work for, for the company we work for. We work for our clients. So even if that client is only paying us for two hours of service per month for those two hours, we're on their payroll and we're going to make sure that any action that we take honors whatever their mission is, whatever their goal is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an extreme example, obviously two hours, but that, that's sure. what I'm, and so I think that one of the things that, that I, I've partnered with one of the guys I worked with lately and he's, he's very, he does SEO, he specializes in the technical SEO stuff. So he's really good at the Google Analytics, the Google AdWords, all that, that sort of thing. Um, and I am more uh, aligned with and akin to kind of what you're saying with the digital marketing um, strategy and I, I'm really good at the content writing and SEO content writing and, and going through and figuring that stuff out but helping with building long-term brand and long-term strategy is something I'm good at so between the two of us I use this word a lot because it's, I think it's very effective um, we're, we're allowed we're able to provide a very elite um, holistic approach with our customers and what and it's just the two of us I literally joined this team in my department in my company about a week ago before that I was I was in the sales I was in the sales wing of stuff and and the digital marketing team would come to me when they wanted to know verbiage or they wanted to you know analysis stuff I would do that but now I'm like all in on the digital marketing side and so one of the, the things that me and the other the, the department head guy were talking about we've kind of partnered on this is we are now reaching out we're making a very very specific and targeted effort to physically call 
and have us both on a meeting to introduce ourselves, reintroduce ourselves in some cases, to our current clients that utilize our digital marketing services, our SEO services, our copywriting services, whatever they are, no matter how many hours they have per month, um, per quarter, whatever. And we're realigning our goals. We're saying, okay, in the past, this is what we've been doing for you. We've been doing maintenance work essentially, but we want to help you make, we want to make sure we understand what your goals are so we can align. And we want you to know that we're here as a resource for you and have all these abilities and resources and tools that are at your disposal. You know, you may, you can go out and hire an intern part time to do 20 hours a week of the same type of thing, but you have chosen to hire us and you get a whole team for that. And so we want you to know that we're here for you. So every month now, he and I plan to reach out, touch base with these people or every other month, depending on the need, but make sure that they understand that we're here and we care. And it's going to be not just these, the, the people who use our digital marketing services, but those who use our web development services who traditionally, you know, even have been with us for a decade have used our web development and may not be aware of some of the other services we provide. And it's not even in the vein of doing a sales call or an upsell call. It's just letting them know that we're here and that we give a damn. And I think that, that that's so valuable. I think that one of the reasons that, that there's not a lot of loyalty and people are even willing to break contracts in some cases is because they feel like the companies they hire don't give a shit about them. I think that's so important. Well, and to a certain extent, what you just said is true because they don't. And that's, that's the hard reality of the, what you just said is, as I mentioned earlier, that most agencies see their clients as stepping stones to becoming the biggest so they could win the most awards and be deemed the best, right? So it's really not a matter of who they're working with. It's, you know, the type of work they're outputting and everything is through the lens, almost narcissistically through themselves of what do we need to get to the next level? What do we need to really achieve these awards? What do we need to be viewed as the top or the elite or, or whatever? And the reality yeah. is none of that matters, right? There's a substantial amount of work we do actually in the healthcare space that I'll never be able to show to anybody publicly because of the proprietary information in there. Yeah. But I know at the end of the day, when, when we all leave and some of our clients turn around and say, you know, those, those solutions or those business development efforts that you helped us with um, have netted out in two and $3 million of new business for a new agency, none of which we may ever see. And that's yeah. a tremendous return for us because now they have the understanding that we're not in this just for ourselves. Um, because we will go to the extra mile. And the, and the other thing I'll say too is, you know, when, when we're talking about hours and fee structures, um, we don't have, we actually don't charge by the hour, nor do we charge by the project. And a lot of people are probably scratching their heads right now saying like, well, how the hell do you even make money? And the, <laughs> the, re and the reality is um, we know as creatives, the process that we're going to go through and the rigors that we're going to go through are something that we can never allocate in terms of time. Nobody would ever pay us for that process. Nobody would ever pay us for the amount of um, iterations we go through on our end to get to that final product. And so it really became about profitability. We know we're going to make an investment much beyond any price we can give. And so for us to be more marginally profitable, so we grow over a progressive period of time makes a lot more sense because our clients don't have to incur such a big bill. So most of our clients get pretty much a flat rate from us where it just allows us to maintain our business and have a certain, as I said, margin of profit on top of that, where we know we can be sustainable, but we also know we're going to go above and beyond anything that we would, we would charge for if I was doing it on a project or hourly basis. My God. So 
two things. First off, do you have any... Uh, it's my podcast, I'll say. Do you have any fucking idea how cutting as you are, Lauren? <laughs> I mean, you're like, do you understand just how amazingly cutting edge that is and, and just your business model in general? That's mine. I, like, I'm scratching my head now going, that's so brilliant. Why aren't more people doing that? There's, there, it's almost like people feel they have to bill a certain way. They have to do it because otherwise, you know, in their minds, logically, how do you bill your time? How do you justify it? So then, and now I have to ask the question that comes naturally. Here's the second thing is how do you come up with a proposal then? Because, you know, when you go to a client, uh, at least it's been my experience, they say, okay, how much is this going to cost me? And my answer, and it's not a canned response, but my answer is almost always kind of depends on you and your needs. We need to sit down, figure that out, and then I'll be able to give you a better idea. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I don't want to underpromise and then overcharge. So let's let's make sure we're on the same page. But in in your case, where you don't even charge by the project, how are you able to come up with some kind of a quote or proposal for them? What I've been a part of in the past in most global agencies is that they they'll allocate by saying here's your team and this is what your team is going to cost to most clients. And then they give this whole range of hours of what that team is going to need to do the work. So not only yeah. is the client paying for the resources, but then they're paying for the work to be done. And for me, that was just didn't make any sense in the grand scheme of if you are in fact playing the long game of business, which I'm yeah. in the business of, I don't really mind having, let's say, and this is, these are not our profit margin, but saying a 10% profit margin where other agencies say, well, you know what? I need 50% profit margin to keep our lights on, to keep our fancy address, to keep all the employees, you know, growing and financially, you know, raising their level every single year. Our, yeah. our staff is a little bit more humbled and rooted in the idea that we are growing progressively and they're, and they're, um, uh, execution and how they return value to our clients will have a great impact on their ability to grow in our organization. But they also are, are fully bought into our model that we're going to go longer with this in terms of year to year profit. Why all that's important to how we charge is as we move on to our next clients, we're able to say to your point, this is what you need. And then what we try to do is we try to think about how to evenly distribute that across the year and upcharge a certain amount, very marginal amount, which gives everybody full access to the resources they need without the burden of us turning around and saying, well, you know what, now you have a new project. I, I never understood how a, how a project fee dictated the resource fee. Because at the end of the day, if we're ultimately having those business discussions that I mentioned earlier in our contracts, we really focus on having meaningful business discussions. If we do that, resources can be used much more effectively where it's no longer about how many hours they're allocated to a job, but how they're being allocated to the business solutions we're providing. That's, that's cool. That is really cool. You know, I think what really blows my mind about that, Lawrence, is the fact that Cal Design Co. has been able to come up with that business model in less than a year and has proven that it works by growing enough that you can have going in to your point from one designer yourself to seven people on staff and be able to relocate if i'm not mistaken you started in one location and now you have a spot in, in freehold new jersey so you were able to move your entire facility to to match the growth of your company in terms of people on your staff and none of that obviously would be possible if what you're saying didn't work and yeah. i don't know of any other businesses that are doing it the way you are. 
Yeah, well, and I think it's just also, you know, you mentioned earlier two things. Uh, one is, yeah, it's a passion thing, right? This is, as you mentioned, sort of um, my upbringing, my, my, who I am. It's who I'm, def- who, what defines me and how I define myself. So for yeah. me, this doesn't feel like, you know, I'm trying to run a business. For me, it feels like what I've grown up with, what I've wanted to do with my life. And so I'm just sort of living the way that I've always lived. But this is also a byproduct of, you know, over a decade, 13 years now of seeing what worked in other organizations and really seeing what didn't work in some of the bigger agencies where everything was so uh, numerically or revenue driven. And so in the balance of being a part of smaller agencies and bigger agencies, and then, and then ultimately under my own philosophies and upbringing, I, I believe that I've been able to find something where it's, it allows me to be more purposeful in what we do every day. And that's really the intent of what I have my staff come in of the mindset of every day is that you're coming in to be purposeful, thoughtful. You have to have a certain level, level of precision and how you execute. And all of that nets out in the experience of client engagement, but also the solutions that we deliver and the experience of those solutions on the impact of our clients' businesses. And so that combination and that trifecta really is the fundamental values of Cal Design Co. and what it's built on. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Fantastic. Um, you know, the only regret I have about this conversation so far is that I don't have a bigger audience yet. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean this is so much. I, ri- I wish that I was a reporter for Entrepreneur Magazine or Inc. Magazine because this is this this is so so freaking valuable. Like, I don't just mean like financially valuable. I mean, this is so on point with exactly the reason that I started and maintained this podcast is because these are the kind of insights and thoughts and, and, you know, you're not, you're not defined by a box. You've seen, you know, you probably more than once and correct me if I'm wrong, more than once in your, in your career, you've thought, you know, if I was running a business, this is how I would do it. Um, or you've butted your head against somebody who didn't want to change it because quote, this is how it's always been done. And so the fact that you had, forgive them the expression, but you had the balls to go out and start your own company and do it your way. And I'm sure that was scary as hell, but you were able to do it your way and and grow it and have it be a proof of concept. And as I've said a few times, um, I, that's got to feel, that's got to feel good, right? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be. You know what? Yes, it does. And you know what feels really good? It, it feels really good when a, when a client um, will look at me and say, you know what, what you're doing is so impactful to, to our business in the way, in whatever the objectives are, right? We, I really pride myself and, and this agency on getting the solutions right. I'm not saying we're always right the first time out. It's, it's an iterative process. And that's why, again, we, we go through the ebbs and flows of our clients' business with them as a partner to make sure we can learn and shift with them. And so, I, the proof of concept is really when our clients look at us and go, hey, we're now growing faster than we're actually growing as Cal Design Co. When our clients exceed their trajection and their numbers and their uh, you know, projections of profit or revenue, uh, and they turn around and say, you know what, we want more of this, nine times out of 10, they're gonna make reinvestments in, in Cal Design Co. to help them get there. And so right. that's, been our, that's been our biggest uh, return back to ourselves. So what's the ideal future for Cal Design in your mind? The future won't change um, in terms of just wanting to do 
the right thing by any business who values us just as much as we value them. That that fundamental um, will not ever uh, waver. And and the main reason why it won't is because, um, and this is more on a personal level. You know, I really hold this business in, in a close to myself um, in trying to make both my uncle and my cousin very proud of what I'm doing and and they are represented in this agency and so because of that personal tie and connection that I have to them and uh, hopefully a timeless bond that'll never go away um, this agency I think will will always stand for those basic human fundamentals of doing the right thing with integrity and respect for our clients and what they need to do you crafty selfless bastard <laughs> That's awesome. It's not, you know, so I, I was going to jokingly say, so you plan to sell it in about five years, but I don't see you ever selling this company. I think that no matter how much it grows, I think that it's so fundamentally a core built on, on, on the same, like you said, integrity that you have. It, that shows through. You know, these interviews that I've been doing on this podcast, I've been talking to people from all walks of life. And one thing that I found the most successful people I've talked to by the way, you're the second guy on my show named Lawrence. The other guy goes by Larry. But I just, in this moment, because I was thinking back to past guests, you were actually the second guest I've had named Lawrence, which is weird. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the ones who have been most successful are being 100% authentic to who they are in how they treat their customers and how their employees are expected to understand the culture to be. It's like, this isn't just like, it's almost like your business is an extension of who you are as a person um, and the impact that you want to leave on the world and on your clients. And I just think, I think I really, I got to give you kudos. That's really cool. That's really exciting. Um, that's neat. I'm going to take a minute on that because that's really cool. Yeah. So, if yeah, I go ahead. Just, if I could just expand on that one second, because I think something else that you said is really important, I think, for your listeners is that. Um, you know, I don't define myself in a box, but I think most of society does. And where I think they do is in this very influencer model of how we operate in our society to be the face of on all over Instagram or on Facebook. They want to be that thought leader, that expert or that whatever, that thing that everybody wants to listen to and get uh, their attention from. And, and so as a byproduct, I think people do get into business for all the wrong reasons. They, they become, I'm using air quotes on this side, entrepreneurs to try to scale up a business super fast and sell because they want to be on a stage so they could say, hey, I grew my business a million percent in five years. I sold it. I'm the guru you should be listening to. All with the intent of just being that influencer model that we've adopted as a society. And so I think that's the biggest detriment of most entrepreneurs is that if you are truly in business for doing the right thing, you are always authentic. And if you're authentic and you love what you do and you have the actual capacity to execute at the highest level, then your clients are going to feel that. And so to me, doing business shouldn't be done any other way. And and unfortunately, that's not the mindset of, of many entrepreneurs. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, so on that note, you and I have a mutual, I assume a mutual respect just based on how we connected for Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, have you consumed a lot of his content? How, how long have you been uh, listening to his stuff? Are you familiar with him or how well? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with him from, I, I think he's got very interesting perspectives on um, philosophically 
uh, you know, the kind, the kindness and the value and empathy and all of these things that he talks about, which I think are, are mission critical. Um, I don't, I don't agree with everything he says, um, uh, particularly in the realm of education to that, to that extent. I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, but I think that's good. You know, I think it's good to have differing opinions and resonate with the ones that really, really, uh, have a, have a tremendous impact. But I think ultimately, you know, I think what Gary accomplished was how to leverage the platforms effectively to, I think in the beginning, really provide value that has turned him into this global phenomenon. I think the yep. problem is everybody wants to be that global phenomenon now. So what you see are just inherent copycats of trying to be that person. Um, and you hear everybody talking about how they fast they scale their business and his story is very similar in that way, taking his dad's business from two to 60 million. But you know, it's not, not everybody's gonna achieve the same outcome. And it doesn't happen just through um, you know, getting on social platforms and pushing your message out there. So I think there's a disconnect as to the um, rigors that Gary will go through to get from point A to point B that many people miss. What they yeah. see is the net, the net result. And then they just think by emulating in kind of a superficial way what they see on the platforms, they'll achieve that success too. And many don't. And as a byproduct, many fail. And then I think the frustration starts to settle in about their journey as an entrepreneur overall. So you are so right on that. And I think one other thing too that I'm gonna to add to that is that people um, also see the polished, um, produced end results. So the content that, that they get is something that Team Gary Vee has edited and done the analysis to make sure that it lands where it lands, how it lands, with the message it lands. And you know, I, I, I'm not questioning his authenticity at all, but people are so instant gratification driven that they don't understand that he went years and years and years of eating crow and growing and trying to, you, you have to, there's no such thing as an overnight success. The overnight success takes years and years of dedication. One of my favorite images that I've ever seen on social media that's always stuck with me is was this picture um, that was, it was a guy juggling plates on a stage with a, bun, a big old audience and everybody is happy for him. But the image is shown from behind him and what you see behind him is this huge staircase with thousands of shattered plates everywhere. So people don't see the hours of research and work and, and development that go into the success. And that's what that's ultimately when you're when you're buying a service, you're not buying the end result. You're buying, you're paying for that, for that all that experience. They just see the end result and assume it's it's something that's easy to emulate. Um, that's why I wanted to create the, uh, the, the poor man's Gary Vee content model that, that you and I had kind of connected over was this idea that um, you don't, it's not about being an overnight success, it's about building a long-term brand and, and, and building a, uh, putting out content at scale to do that and eliminating the excuses. And that's, that's really what I found is, is uh, a lot easier to do than most people would think. Um, so kind of, I, I really do want to encourage people to check out your website, which if I'm not mistaken is caldesignco.com, right? Or is yep, it just caldesignco.com? Okay. Nope, caldesignco.com. And your, your uh, Lawrence and your last name is spelled S-C-H-A-U if people want to check you out on LinkedIn. Um, I think your business is really cool. So um, two final thoughts I wanted to get uh, to for, for you is uh, where do you see with, with, Facebook is saying that 75% of all 
mobile data will be video um, by the end of 2020, if not more. So where do you see um, content going from where it is today? Uh, I mean, we're already in the, the digital first video world. I, you know, I think that's going to be the inherent place that people um, sort of drive to. But if you think about all these questions that we probably asked over the last decade, you could probably have asked the same thing back in the early 90s. And the answer you would have gotten was email marketing. That's where it's all going to go. And then 10 years later, it would have said, it's social marketing. And then 10 years after that, they're now predicting video marketing. For a short period, print was dead forever, and that was never going to be a thing anymore. And what yeah. you find is that when everybody goes to one platform and they saturate that sort of media or they saturate that delivery method, it sort of becomes less valuable. And then what yeah. often happens, much like in fashion, everything happens in cyclical ways. You go back to the tried and true methods where there's opportunity to differentiate, and then you start to still do those popular things, but you still need to find ways to engage and communicate. So I think it's it's hard to say that a certain percentage of content will be, maybe 75%, but then the question is, is it a valuable 75%? And then what is it doing for your business inside of that 75%? So yeah. you start to then subset out the data from that standpoint, and then you determine, well, honestly, if you want my personal opinion where everything is going to go, I think it's going to go back to a much more basic and simpler form of human engagement where people actually get out and they go out and they talk to one another and they really start to um, uh, engage in a more humanistic way. I would, I would project in the next 10 years or 15 that the data around people who work remotely and people who are um, engaging in a strictly digital communication of email and so forth, you're going to find way less positive data around those engagements where people are going to need to get out and reintroduce themselves to one another to have very meaningful relationships that produce results. And so for me, I think we're getting into a more of an experiential world where you need to have levels of engagement in your marketing to get people out and together to really have that connection. So you probably, I, I kind of almost feel embarrassed that I had asked that question, knowing your um, long-term strategy kind of view, it makes total sense that it would be cyclical. That's a fantastic answer. Um, I, 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 I don't know why I didn't even just think of that before I even asked you, but that makes so much sense to me. Um, one of the things that I, I found is, is super valuable as well is actually, you know, going out and, and meeting with people and engaging them and, and making sure that you're giving, trying, to give 80% of the time that you spend with them listening. And a personal philosophy that I have is I try to make sure that any engagement and encounter that I have is meaningful and impactful. And what I mean by that is I want to leave the conversation with the other person feeling like they've gotten value from our conversation. Um, otherwise it feels like it was a waste of time to them and that's the last thing I wanna do is waste somebody's time. Um, and I think that, that having that philosophy um, and, and trying to be more selfless in my approach has really helped me to build um, good relationships with the clients and, and long-term friendships and, and things like that um, because I think we do tend to be very selfish creatures and I think people have become more and more socially awkward that getting them out of that bubble and getting out there and being successful um, I mean, look at, you know, going back to Gary Vaynerchuk, Chuck, a lot of his content that he puts out is him at speaking engagements where he's out shaking hands and his favorite thing to do is the Q&A. 
and answering questions and connecting with people one-on-one. So I think you're, you're, you're definitely onto something there. Um, and I, I'm not going to overstep the fact that you said valuable video content. And that's, that's so true because there's a lot of mind numbing junk out there, but I think inherently people just want to connect, you know, we're, we're looking, we're so disconnected with technology being the way that it is. I mean, that's why I love art and music so much is because you feel like you're connecting and you're speaking without words in some cases. And, um, I think that he who can master the ability to connect with something or create a message that connects and makes people feel again is a very, very um, powerful and valuable person. That's just my my two cent rant there. Yeah, well, I'll take it one step further in the context of our business. You know, some people may frown upon what I'm about to say. I don't really care either, but we actually don't we actually don't allow our staff to to work from home. And a lot of people might say, well, why? And, you know, we're in a world where digital first and everybody can do their work from home. But I think one of the things we we fundamentally believe in is having that personal engagement every day, because when you hear all this lip service about culture being so important and kindness and empathy, all the things that even Gary Vee talks about, right? A lot of people sort of emulate that for from a lip service standpoint to try to be in line with those philosophies. And so yeah. for us, we we make a point that to build culture, you need to be together. And it doesn't mean that we're gonna, you know, spend every minute of every day together, but it allows us to also be way more precise, way more focused on the attention we give to our clients and the solutions we deliver. It allows more ideation and brainstorming to come out because we're playing off one another, we're having fun with one another. And the output of that is the tremendous results that I think we personally deliver. Um, to our clients and at the same time because we do it in such an efficient way allows us to completely turn off allows us to go home and enjoy our personal lives with our families where we have a great work-life balance and I think that that byproduct of work-life balance I want to stress not work-life integration I'm totally against work-life integration work-life balance is really what I think allows everybody to come up with much more powerful solutions well, I, I got to tell you, I think that um, Cal Design Co. and you personally are, are I, I don't even need to tell you this, I think you know it, you're destined for some amazing things. And I personally am excited to have been introduced to your company. I look forward to seeing your growth and, and, and just your overall journey. And um, I really hope that we can touch base and do this again and, and dig a little bit deeper on, on other things too. Um, so before we wrap this up, are there any, A, are there any questions you have for me? And B, is there anything that you'd like to leave my audience with? Any final thoughts you'd like to give? Well, the first thing I want to say is I don't have any questions, but I mean, this has been one of the nicest things I mentioned when you when you asked me to be a part of this, just because I was, you know, fundamentally reaching out. I really did enjoy the article you wrote about the, the poor man's Gary Vee content model. And there was so much impact in there. And I think that that level of engagement, I think, is really um, a byproduct of your podcast, which is the potential of connection points with with individuals is so critical that this relationship now that's been established by way of one message to now a podcast has so many has so many potential avenues that it can go to not that either of us are trying to sell anything to one another but i think the potential of how we could be valuable to each other in the future really becomes the opportunity that i think many people miss as a byproduct of relationship building and so if I would leave anything with your audience, just in terms of business overall, is that it has absolutely nothing to do 
with the sales and revenue of your organization. It has everything to do with those real genuine relationships you have, how you execute for the people that trust you the most. And as you become trusted and you build that reputation where that reputation begins to precede you in what you can do for someone else, and you bring that level of, of authenticity to somebody new, you're more likely to have a sustained period of success for a long period of time. Amen. That very well may be the most valuable statement I've had on my show. <laughs> I, really, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's so cool. I, I really do appreciate it. And I think you're right. I think that we've made a, I think we've made a valuable connection. I, I'd like to, I'd like for you to consider me a resource. Um, I think you have a good feel for what it is that I, my expertise are or whatever. If, if there's ever anything you need, if there's anything that I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, in any way shape or form i'd be happy to, to do whatever i can and i'm definitely going to keep some of the services you have uh in mind if i come across any opportunities that i think you might like um but i, I don't even the funny thing is i don't think that that's even necessary i think that you and i have made a real connection here and i i i, I look forward to a future conversation where we where we come across something philosophical or something that is you know, a, where we pick each other's brains on it. I think it's just fascinating stuff to dig into. And I, I really, really genuinely, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I'm not trying to fluff you up here, but I really truly appreciate your position and your, your opinion on some of these things because it's so, so eye-opening. Like I'm already, I've got a list of people in my head that I'm going to be like, you need to, I know I say you need to listen to my podcast. You, you need to listen to this episode with Larry or with Lawrence. This guy knows what he's talking about. This is really cool. So Thank you so much for being on the show. And again, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Thank, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a great thrill for me. I appreciate it. No problem. Take care, my friend. All right. Bye-bye, Steve. I'd like to thank my guest, Lawrence Shao from Cal Design Co., uh, it was a heck of an experience. I really, really enjoyed the conversation, found an insane amount of value in it. And um, I'd like to thank LinkedIn, ironically, because a lot of these conversations that I'm having on the show are a direct result of engagements that I've had on LinkedIn that I don't think others would have really engaged with. One of my past guests has said that, you know, if I'd approached him on Instagram or Facebook or any other social media but LinkedIn, he would have questioned my legitimacy and probably would have said no. But because I was approaching him on LinkedIn, he understood that there was a certain legitimacy to what I was trying to do, and he was more open to hearing my message. And I, I think that um, Cal Design is, is going to just blow up um, and has a great long-term strategy, and I think that... Uh, uh, I, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I just said that to him, I know, but I, I, may, I mean it. So um, Cal Design is, I believe, only on LinkedIn. Um, and so you should definitely look at caldesignco.com. It's uh, worth your time if you're in the need for any of the services he mentioned. Um, but just if you want to see kind of a cool cutting edge way that, that, that business can be done, and I hope is the future of business. Um, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, if you like what you heard, please do me a favor, share the show. Um, that's how we grow. And uh, leave me a message if you'd like to. You can do voice messages on Anchor or reach out to me at TDGR Podcast uh, on any major social media. Until next time, dig deep, my friends. <laughs>